of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that day or from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Before I break down these words and, and, and talk about the revelation that I think God desires for us to have this day, I want to pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts already this day. We thank you for the opportunity to sing to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you for the privilege to bless you this morning. We thank you, Father, for the prayers that have been answered in this place this day. God, I pray for your anointing to continue. I pray that nothing would come against the anointing that you desire to flow in this place this day. God, for our hearts and minds, I pray they would be in line with you. Help me as a pastor, God. Let myself be removed from the message this day and let only your word come forth. The word that you desire us to hear. The word that you desire us to experience this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk about Prince of Peace, but before I get there, I love uh, discovery or I love when I see God working something in Scripture. And so we've spent about... This will be the fourth Sunday looking at this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. And we've looked at each of the parts kind of separate. You know, we talked about Wonderful Counselor, how we have an outstanding, uh, amazing, beyond uh, understanding counselor that is Jesus Christ that God has given us. We talked about how he was a mighty God. And how many times do we walk through life not realizing that God has given us the gift of His Son, who is a mighty God. We have the mighty God. That's been given. Last week we talked about the everlasting Father, or two weeks ago, the everlasting Father, and how Jesus, the the irony of the Son coming, was the giver of life, eternal life. So He's our, our everlasting Father. As I thought about these words, I thought about how these all kind of build upon one another. How if we start looking at these for what they are, we can see how they build to what we will talk about today. So we started with Wonderful Counselor. What does a Wonderful Counselor do? Don't Wonderful Counselors help us discover problems or or faults and work through them? Jesus Christ came as a Wonderful Counselor. I needed a wonderful counselor in my life that helped me understand where I was going. Because in myself, I never would have realized the pit that I was digging, the stench that was around me, had it not been for a wonderful counselor who helped me discover how filthy I really was. So then what does God do? He says, I will send you uh, the Son and He will be called Wonderful Counselor. So He's not just going to let me discover how filthy I am, but He's a mighty God. How many times has sin maybe seemed like it was too much for me to overcome? 
this is the way I've been. You're pointing out the struggles that I'm having, but I can't overcome it. And God says, I got that. I gave you a gift. He's not just a wonderful counselor helping us discover where we are, giving us guidance, but he's a mighty God. He's the one that can move the mountain that's in your life that's preventing you from his presence. So not only is he a wonderful counselor, he points out, he helps us discover the faults in our lives. He's a mighty God. He's given us a way through them. That way becomes everlasting Father. Do you see how they all work together? So because I discovered or I realized I had need, then God gave me the, the ability to overcome my need. Then he gave me his son, Jesus Christ, who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me, the gift of eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation comes through him. That's the eternal Father. So that leads us to the culmination of all. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I talked about the gift. And I talked about the value of utilizing or experiencing what the gift was given for. God gave the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could live with peace. The problem is we don't often experience or access or utilize this aspect of the gift. We live overwhelmed. I mean, think about who God wrote these words to. Who was speaking these words? Remember, it was the prophet Isaiah. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom. And what had been going on? They were God's chosen people. Yet they rebelled. And they put themselves outside the will of God. They'd allowed other idols to come in. And, and they really had turned their backs on God. So they were experiencing devastation and destruction. They were being attacked by the Assyrians. They were experiencing overwhelming. It says, in, in I think it's Isaiah chapter 8 or 6 or something, that, that there was darkness. They were overwhelmed by, by darkness. They weren't living in peace. Can you imagine the turmoil that they were living in? Wondering if someone was coming in their door the next moment to take their, their livelihood, if someone was going to cap, capture them on the way to the grocery store, wondering when the attack was coming. It's hard to think about living at peace when all that's going on around you. They were a troubled, broken people, and God's promise to them was there's a son who will be born, and he will be called the Prince peace. So, so what was God promising? What was God saying? What was the revelation of this going to be? I mean, again, we think about peace and we live, I mean, ultimately in, in, in a pretty comfortable place. 
Like, I lose my peace because I'm not on time when I leave for Sunday morning to go to church. I mean, seriously. Like, it's not that I'm worried about people coming through my door and, and holding a gun to my head or anything else, but, but I'm losing my peace over the simple things. Even the complicated things like Sears or Menards, I lose my peace over that. The Prince of Peace. You know, it's the beginning of the year and churches are getting ready to have a lot of churches their annual business meetings. I tell you what, they need to preach about the Prince of Peace before they have an annual business meeting because we can't even find peace within the body of Christ nine times out of ten. The gift that he gave. He gave me a gift that is a wonderful counselor. He gave me a gift that is a mighty God. He gave me a gift that is the everlasting Father. But He gave me the gift that is the Prince of Peace. And what does this gift look at? This morning I just want to start with this. It's a video. It's about three or four minutes long. I saw this video and it summed up everything I wanted to say. And I'll preach a lot more after that. But still, it's a good summary of where we're going. Trevor, if you go ahead and play that. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others. Like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. 
He was the whole complete human that I am made to be, but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. You know, often when we look at peace, we think it's just this sense of uh, the, the lack of trials or the lack of confrontation. But there's so much more to what God has promised us through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's so much more that He desires for us to be living with. That, that, that little study, I looked at the, the, the word shalom, and it talked about what was the meaning of shalom really when it comes down to it. It's wholeness. It's, it's completeness. Think about the history of mankind until Jesus Christ came. Remember, we'll start with Adam. What happened with Adam and Eve? They took what was whole and it became broken, right? And from that time until the time of Jesus Christ, what, what happened for sin? There was a sacrifice, right? An annual sacrifice or biannual sacrifice for sin that would take place. But it still was not whole. It was not complete. The, the restoration, there was still something off in the creation that God had made because, man, that sacrifice wasn't the full sacrifice. The book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 9 says, Christ did not enter, enter a, sanctuary, a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he appeared once. Why? For the culmination of the ages. To do what? To do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Up until the time of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, the sacrifice was always temporary. The sacrifice was never complete. It was only for a, a, a limited time. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He died. And Scripture says He was the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Suddenly, peace could be experienced on earth. Why? Because the complete, the whole, had been accomplished. I mean, we don't live in the whole when it comes to the forgiveness of our sins. There's so many times that we tell ourselves that sin is still the author and finisher of our lives, and that's just not true. 
when I've accepted the promise of Jesus Christ, when I've accepted the cross of Jesus Christ, my sin is forgiven. What sin is forgiven? The things I did, the things I'm doing, and the things I will do. Why? Because it's been made available. It's been done completely through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we don't have to repent. I'm not saying that we hold on to our sin. But I'm saying sin is no longer the authority in my life. My life has been made right. My life has been made complete. My life has been made whole because of what Jesus Christ did, not because of what I'm doing. Think of the promise. God gave a gift. The gift was His Son. His son came to do away with. Man, listen to me. He has done away with sin. Huh? He has done away with, it says, right? To do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Sin is what caused the brokenness of this relationship. It's what caused the problem of this world. Scripture says that the gift, the Son, did away with sin. Yes, we still make mistakes. Yes, we still disobey. Yes, we're still rebellious. Yes, we still live at times out of submission. He's done away with sin. That sin does not have authority in your life. That sin does not have control in your life. That sin does not have control of your eternity unless you allow it to. Do you hear what I'm saying? That sin does not get to determine what God's going to do with your life. That sin does not get to determine what God can't do with your life. Because He's done away with it when I received the gift that was His Son, Jesus Christ. The one that was a wonderful counselor. The one that was a mighty God that gave me a way through my sin. That gave me the gift of eternal life and has now given me peace. Because that's where I'm living is in the eternal life that I have in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, remember at a time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The Prince of Peace has come. I may have once been Far away. I may have once been far away from where He would desire me to be because of my choice and my way, but I've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been brought near. Near to who? Huh? Near to, the, near to Jesus, near to the Father. I've been brought near to God. Does that not bring peace when you know you're walking with Him? Sometimes we, we don't have peace when we're alone. Last night, okay, we were downstairs in our basement, and Elliot wanted his bup, which means cup. C's or B's in my house sometimes. But the lights were off upstairs, and his cup was on the kitchen counter. And Elliot got to the top of the steps, and guess what? He didn't want to go any further because he was scared. It was dark. 
What did he want? Someone to be with him. How many times do we not have peace because we think we're alone? Says he brought you near to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's brought you near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. That means you are not alone. You don't have to be scared. He's brought you near. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. Colossians chapter 1, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him, that's Jesus, reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or the things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. How did God make peace? Through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. We read in Hebrews that was a sacrifice that was eternal. That was a sacrifice that was once and for all. He has brought peace once and for all through the blood that that came through Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. He has reconciled to Himself. That illustration in that short video where it talked about warring uh, 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 civilizations or countries, whatever you want to call them. And, and he talked about shalom. wasn't just that they said, hey, we're not going to fight with each other. But what did they do? They started working together. They became one. They, they started to, to unite with one another, to provide for one another. That's reconciliation. Peace in your home isn't just you and your wife can, can be in the same room together. But you're doing life. You're, you're loving each other. You're, you're, you're working with each other to accomplish something. He's reconciled to himself. You've been reconciled to God. He's working with you. And you're working with Him. And if I want to do this, He's working with you. And you're working for Him. How much does the Father do for us? How many mountains has He moved in our lives? How many things has He been doing to to see the very purpose that He has accomplished in your life? To see you to, to spend eternity with Himself. You've been reconciled to the Father. Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Can we say that? Like, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He's placed His Spirit inside of us to dwell inside of us. We've been made one with God. Yet we don't live like that. We don't live with the wholeness that should come through that. 
I mean, something happens in this world and we become broken because of, of something that is very temporary. Let me tell you, God's peace that, that he promised, it's eternal, I have in my notes, not temporal. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read one more scripture. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been what? What does justified mean? That's a big word. Thank you. That's the trick I've heard. Just as if I've never sinned. We've been made whole. We've been made the way God designed us to be. Is that not how He designed man? Was to be without sin? We've been made justified through faith. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our what? Oh, wait a minute. There's no peace in suffering. Because we know suffering produces perseverance. I love persevering, let me tell you. I'm always peaceful when I'm persevering. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. There's a peace that is yours that is eternal. It's a peace that transcends this world. It's a peace that is not defined by what I'm experiencing. It's a peace, it's a peace that's not defined by how big my checking account is. It's a peace that I've got through the blood of Jesus Christ that came through the cross of Jesus Christ that means what? I am reconciled with the Father. What can change your reconciliation with the Father? There is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from the peace that God desires for you to be living in. Yet we got the peace, it's been given to us, and we're not living with the the fullness of it. We're not experiencing the fullness of it. And the trials and the tribulations, they come. And what happens? Man, what did Jesus say? In this world you will have peace, right? Oh wait, He said in this world you'll have troubles. But take heart, why? I've overcome this world. Jesus said, I came to this earth to bring peace, right? No, he said, I came to this earth with a sword. Right? He said, I think I had this in my notes. I probably should get there since you believe me. Well, John 16, this is the the one verse I just quoted. Do you not believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered. Each to your own home, you will leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone for my Father is with me. I've got peace. I've been reconciled to the Father. I've told you these things so that in me, where's it at? In Christ Jesus, you will have peace. You may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. You will have trouble. I don't care what someone else has promised you. The word says in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome this world. Who's he speaking to? 
He's speaking to the disciples. Did they have troubles? Yeah, they all got killed. Pretty shortly after he said this. They all experienced persecution. He tells us to expect to be persecuted. He tells us to expect that people will hate us. Boy, I have peace when someone doesn't like me. I mean, I'm obsessed with what did I do wrong? Matthew chapter 10, even the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. Casey, that's easy for us. Jordan, it's really easy for you. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He didn't come to bring peace where? To the earth. What is the earth in Scripture? It's this world. It's the fallenness. It's the brokenness of what's around us. It's what is temporary. I didn't come to bring peace to the temporary. For I've come to turn a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That sounds like peace. No. The promise of peace that God has for you is not temporary. The promise of peace that God has for you is eternal. It's the peace that comes from the understanding of who I am, who I've become in Jesus Christ. It's a peace that's based upon my eternal Father, which is Jesus Christ. It's a peace that comes because I've got a mighty God who God has given me to partake of, to participate with, who He's reconciled me with. It's not about my mom or my brothers right now. I pray that God brings peace to your families. That they experience the truth that is Jesus Christ and that we're reconciled as a body. We come together and we work together. That's my prayer. That's God's will. But he realizes that that it's broken. And there still will. He will be called Prince of Peace. What are you doing with the gift that God has given? Jesus says in John chapter 14, Peace I leave you with. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ said, My peace I give you. My wholeness, the completeness that I've brought 
to your life. I give it to you. Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your your request to God, what? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My prayer is this morning we receive the gift that God has given. And we allow that gift to begin to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's easy to lose sight of the peace that He's given. It's easy to forget about the promise of the everlasting. We're surrounded by the temporary. Everything I look at, everything I see is just temporary. My work situations, my financial situations, my, my friendships. I mean, look at my, my life. My friends from high school, I don't talk to much anymore. You know, the people from college, I got one guy I still talk to. I mean, it's all temporary. We've been reading Ecclesiastes and men's Bible study. Everything's meaningless. Right? That's Solomon. He had everything he needed. He had wisdom. He had treasures. He had power. He had authority. And he's getting ready to die. And he's looking back. And he's saying, all this is meaningless. Why? Because there's something eternal that I don't want to lose. That's what matters. I'm not minimizing your trials. I'm not minimizing the the struggles you may have with your children or the situations you may be going through. I'm not trying to do away with the very real emotion you deal with in sickness and in problems. But what I'm saying is you have a hope that is eternal. You have a peace that is yours. You have a peace that's been given. What will you do? I've experienced the wonderful counselor. If I've experienced the mighty God, the everlasting Father, I should be, I should be living with the promise of the Prince of Peace. This morning as we prepare for communion, you guys can come forward. And as we're looking at these, these elements today, just like you're receiving these gifts, you guys can go ahead and start passing them out. What, what do those gifts represent? What do those gifts represent? <laughs> they represent Jesus Christ, right? Jesus took a, took a loaf of bread and he said, this is my... And then he took a cup and he said, this is my... Okay, so if we can get to that, that this is representing Jesus Christ... This morning as we partake, I want it to be a reception of the gifts that God has given us. I have an expectation that if you have a need for a wonderful counselor, that you'll experience the wonderful counselor that He is. If you have a need for a mighty God in your life, maybe that circumstance you prayed for earlier, that you'll receive that gift, an expectation of that gift. If you have need for everlasting Father, that's eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ, that you'll be reminded of that gift. And maybe, just maybe, you're saying, I need peace. 
That this morning, as you partake, that body and that, that, that grape juice and that bread, what happens with it? It becomes a part of you. It is reconciled to you. We get it when it comes to donuts. They reconcile to our stomach. Spiritually, all the promise that is in the gift of Jesus Christ is being reconciled to you this morning. Just as that bread and just as that juice is becoming a part of you, the promises that God has should become a part of you this day. And I'm not forcing you to partake. So if you don't want it, don't receive it. That's fine. But if you want it, as you receive it this day, let it become a part of who you are. Let yourself be reminded of the peace of God that transcends understanding. You guys can come forward. Do you have a song? I don't, you sing whatever you think. I do my job, you do yours. We'll be happy. I'm not singing today, I promise you that. There's a little more if you need it. I'm going to pray and they're going to sing a chorus and I just encourage you to think about uh, the, the gift, the fullness of the gift. The gift that God was so excited about 700 years before He gave it, He started telling us about it. The gift that is the fulfillment of all that He has for us. Father, I thank You this morning for our time in Your presence. I thank You for each and every one of us that are here today. That You made a way for God so loved the world that He gave. Because of Your love for me, God, You gave me a gift that was remarkable, a gift that is incredible. God, sometimes we forget the fullness of this gift. and I pray that as we hold these elements in our hands, we realize, we recognize what this means. We recognize, God, what we're holding, the fullness of that promise. And I pray, God, that as we partake this day, that we're reconciled to you. If we have need of peace or counsel or a mighty God or an everlasting Father, God, that we would be reconciled to the, to the wholeness, to the completeness that you desire for us this day. In Jesus' name. Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. The peace that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. The eternal life that is yours. The reality that sin has been defeated. 
proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This morning as we participate, as we're reconciled to the promise that God has for us, we're proclaiming what He's accomplished. God, I thank You for Jesus Christ. gift beyond explanation beyond comprehension a gift that God at times I've neglected at times I've forgotten at times I've discarded but not this morning I hold on to that gift God in my hands I hold a reminder of that gift and God as I partake just as this bread and just as this juice becomes a part of me, God, I pray the gift of Jesus Christ. A part of me. As I continue to sing, I just encourage you to partake of communion and be reminded of the, the promise of God. wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you be gracious to you may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace be blessed